Welcome to Big Tobacco Messed with the Wrong Moms, and we're the wrong moms. I'm Meredith Berkman. I'm Dorian Furman, and we're thrilled to have with us today Kelly Kennard, a PAVE momficate, and her son, Luca Kennard, who go around the country speaking about the dangers of vaping and their own personal story. And we are so thrilled to have them here today. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Luca. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having us. It's nice to see you. So Luca, maybe you could share with us your story in your own words, something that you do all across the country so other kids and other families won't have to go through what you and your family did. Absolutely. Well, to start off, I'm 17 years old and I'm from High Point, North Carolina. And my story first started when I was 14 years old. Um, I was in the ninth grade and I was a freshman in high school. It was my first Friday night football game. Uh, I was introduced to vaping. The older crowd uh, at the game, they introduced it to me. Uh, they told me there was no nicotine in it. They told me it was better than smoking, uh, safer than smoking. If I wanted to quit smoking, I could do that. So I tried it. Uh, and that kind of started to be a social thing I would do for the first month of high school. It was such an easy way to get friends through that because I see somebody in a group of people vaping and I vape, we automatically have something in common. So it was just an easy connection and an easy route to get friends. Uh, but very quickly after that, it came, became something I would become very dependent on. Instead of just doing it around people and, and trying to get friends with it, I would do it by myself. I would start to purchase my own vapes. So typically from my addiction from that point on, I went from using maybe a pod a week to going through four pods every single day. And one jewel pod is equivalent to 20 cigarettes worth of nicotine, which is a pack of cigarettes. So four times that every single day, that was absolutely quite a bit to go through. Uh, it was an expensive, expensive habit also. At the time, it was about $150 a week. Uh, unfortunately, things have changed now. Everything is cheaper than it was when I was doing it. Um, but that was expensive at 14 years old with no job, no income. It's a lot of money. So I would afford that by selling my clothes, my shoes, my personal belongings, really anything I could get my hands on just so I could afford this habit. At what point did you understand at 14 that this had nicotine, that it wasn't just water vapor? What was the product you started with? What was your favorite product? And then the other thing is, at what point did you understand that you were addicted or did you ever feel, gee, this, I can't control it. And how did you keep it from your parents? I always knew that there was nicotine in it, but when it came to an arguing with an adult, I would always be completely naive and say that there's no nicotine. Uh, I would, I remember many conversations with my mom where I would say it's just water vapor or it's just, it's vegetable oil or something silly like that. But in my heart uh, and in my head, I always knew there was nicotine. Um, but I didn't want to admit that to anybody else that was an adult looking at me or anybody who really thought it was an issue. My favorite product or products from vaping definitely was Juul. Uh, that was the, the number one consistent. And then it was Soren, uh, the Soren Airs. And then it was Smock, uh, not, which Smock wasn't a, a pod-based system. It was a tank-based system. Um, and that was something that I used quite consistently, those three. And it, it was definitely quite a bit of money to go through. Um, I think there were times where I felt like I couldn't stop, but I really didn't care. I was like, okay, oh, well, I can't stop. It was complete control over my life to the point where I didn't really care about myself. I really never figured out that I had really a lot of trouble stopping until um, 
probably my sophomore year of high school. Uh, that summer, when I came back home from vacation, the rule of the house was you're not allowed to go out until you can test clean from nicotine. So I would take a nicotine test, which is just like any, any other drug test, a urine sample. Um, and if I didn't pass, I wasn't able to go outside, you know, out, out of the house. And that was frustrating to have a summer where you couldn't go out. And that's when I was really thinking, like, I, I can't do this. I, I would always relapse. I would always slip. Um, so that was really a time where I didn't, I didn't think I could. How long did it take you from the time that you started vaping to the time that you escalated to four pods a day or that you became so severely addicted? I would say probably two and a half months to three months it took for me to go from using the first time to about four pods a day. Um, I have a very addictive personality. So if I feel very strong about something, I gravitate it very quickly. Um, not just everything, uh, but definitely definitely something that has an addictive substance. Um, so yeah, I would say two and a half months or three. So let me ask you on that point. So people will say that kids who have addictive personalities, they're going to Juul because they have addictive personalities. But it doesn't make sense that 5.3 million kids that we know are vaping on a regular basis, you know, all have, quote, an addictive personality. I think I mentioned this to Kelly. We once got a letter from a mom who described her son's addiction, very, very severe. She said, I don't blame Jewel for my son's biology or the wiring of his brain or his genetic makeup, but I blamed them for putting into my son's hands and the hands of so many other kids this wildly addictive device and going on social media. So, you know, you mentioned that you received it from a peer. What is your thought about, I mean, you only can speak for yourself, but you talk to so many teens and you've talked to so many other kids who have the problem. What do you hear from kids around the country who are addicted? And do people reach out to you and do you think it's just because you have an addictive personality, as you described, right? It can't just be that. Um, but maybe you think it is. Because we're adults. We see the targeting on social media. What do kids see and what do you see? It's so much more than just an addictive personality. I mean, speaking for what I've seen from others, you know, I've traveled the country for the past year and a half, almost two years now, and I've met thousands and thousands of, of youth from all ages, from middle school age up to high school and college and, and even some younger, and, you know, not every single one of those kids can possibly have an addictive personality. There's just no way. We know from the adult perspective, like we look at, at Juul and how they went on social media. Do you feel that there's anything about that company or the way it's portrayed on social media that had an impact on you? I definitely think social media played a part in it. Um, you know, the vaping companies themselves, pushed a lot on their own social media. What I saw a lot on social media was also just their users, you know, their consumers posting it. There was countless amounts of, of different vape challenges, if you will. Like, um, for example, for a jewel, I know that it kind of, the hit times out after a few amount of seconds. So it was kind of how many times can you get it to time out without having to go for a breath of air? Um, I remember that being a challenge that people would do on social media. Uh, you know, all the different vape tricks. So absolutely, social media, not just from the brands pushing out, but also their consumers um, just really feasting off of each other's energy absolutely played a part in why I wanted to do it. 
That's really well put, feasting off of each other's energy. That is, I've never heard it put that way. When you've traveled and you've spoken to other teens, what are the stories that you'll never forget? Like what are the most poignant or tragic or inspiring? Because you're very inspiring. What are the ones that, that stay with you? Yeah, there's a lot of stories. You know, for me, speaking about my vaping addiction, I feel like it also speaks for just substance abuse in general. So I have a lot of kids that will come to me with not even those addictions. Some kids will come to me with, with opiate dependency or, or alcohol dependency, all different types of addictions. I think the underlying issue, the underlying most tragic part that I've seen is, is kids that really do come from situations where they just don't have that support. They don't have that resource. Like they've really just been handed such a hard or a short, short stick in life. And I think that's some, something that's really hit me. You know, I, I think one story that has struck me is definitely kids who are, are younger, like in middle school, that just, it breaks my heart. Because when you, when you are exposed to a large amount of people your age, let's say between 14 and 18 years old in the high school range, and then you go from middle school, which is between what, 10 and maybe 11 and 14, give or take, there's a wide difference of just a kid. And you look at them and you see that they're trying to be an adult when they're not. Uh, and they're trying to grow up because they're still trying to figure out who they are in middle school. And that is just so heartbreaking for me to see, you know, these kids seeing that their older siblings or their older crowd or their parents or their teacher, even maybe uh, somebody's doing it. Um, so definitely the younger crowd. That, that breaks my heart to see. When you go and speak to different schools, do younger kids come up to you and then you mentioned families not having the support. I mean, your mom has been such an amazing support for you and really, you know, supported you while you were getting off this. And, you know, my, my own son, Philip, has, has spoken about, you know, kids need help. They can't do this on their own. So the, the, the kids that don't have the support, how do they do it? What have you heard in, in your travels? So surprisingly, the younger crowd is the crowd that comes up to me the most. I think it's just because high school are kind of thick-headed and we don't want to, we worry too much about what everybody's thinking. So when I go to a high school, there's definitely a lot of people that come up to me, but they're more private about it. But the, the younger crowd in middle school, they're just so open. I think that's just, just because they age. Um, but yeah, they, they come to me quite a bit. Um, and, and for those kids that don't have that support, you know, whether the support is from home or whether even times the support is at school, uh, what I, I've always noticed is that it's just somebody to, to talk to. I, I've noticed that a lot. There's definitely been times where they, some counties that I've spoken to um, are greater in their resources than others. Um, so it definitely depends on where they are, but it's quite often the, the different resources they're given by their school and their county. Uh, and then if they do have a parent, um, a parent who is seeking out help throughout their county and raising awareness. So it's just really all different types of, of different forms of advocacy, honestly. You're only 17, Luca, and you seem so wise beyond your years on this, right? I mean, they're coming to you. You're not a parent. You're a near peer. You're older. Like, what do you say to them? That's a lot of responsibility. And what is your message to these kids? It really depends case by case. But the one thing that I definitely always let them know is that to take it day by day, because it is so stressful to, to sit there and and realize, oh my gosh, this is going to be something, if I want to do it the rest of my life and quit the rest of my life, it's going to be so hard to do this every single day. Don't think about it like a big old bite, you know, take it one bite at a time, just one day, 
And it really, I think that's what's really helped me out. I tell them there's a healthy alternative. You know, I, I bring up, don't you want the best for you? And of course, they're all going to say yes. And I'm going to ask them, do you really think that this is the best thing for you to do? And they're going to absolutely say no. It is a lot easier said than done. It's going to be hard. And I'll let them know that. But I'll let them know it's going to be a lot easier to go about it healthy and to go unhealthy. And definitely for the long term, maybe not short term. But it's going to be easier for you in the long run. One question he always gets is, how do you quit yet still retain your friends? Mm. And so he gives good advice for oh, that yeah. as well. I would say that, well, first off, you got to take a second and look at your friends. Are they really your friends if they don't want to be around you anymore or don't want to be your friend because you're trying to do something that's healthier for you? What type of friend is that? Um, my definition of a friend is somebody that brings the best out in you and always has your best interest. Um, so if one of my friends was not supportive of me trying to be sober, sorry, but you got to kick the bucket. But I, I definitely say that there was a time where I had to take a break from a lot of people. Um, I think communication is always key. Don't just cut off everybody in your life. That's so drastic. Um, let people know like, hey, I, I'm working on myself. I need some time. I think that's very important. And I don't think that's selfish at all. Um, so just really looking at your, your friend group. If they don't really want to be around you because you're doing something for you, maybe that's not too great of a friend. Uh, maybe you don't really need them in your life. And then also take some time to yourself is something I would always say. Kelly, how did you make the decision and why to send um, Luca to rehab? Well, we had been trying to help him for a year. He went for, you know, counseling therapy. He'd had a grand mal seizure. And through it all, he never had any desire to quit. He had no intentions of ever quitting. You know, and after his seizure, we realized that it could kill him eventually. So in, it was the only option. You know, I feel like if we hadn't, he'd be dead or in jail because he, he was acting like an addict. Addiction's addiction. That's one thing we've learned through all this. It doesn't matter if it's nicotine, heroin, cocaine, alcohol, addiction's addiction. And um, it was out of his control. So it was the only option. Thank you so much. Luca, as your mom has talked about how proud she is of you and your strength, I'll speak for Dorian and for me and our kids and, um, and say that we feel the same. Thank you, both of you, for your advocacy and your partnership, and let's keep moving forward. Do you have a teen or young adult at home that vapes? This is Quitting is a free and anonymous text message program designed to help young people quit vaping. Teens and young adults can text Ditch Vape to 88709 to sign up today. That's provided by Truth, the National Youth Tobacco Prevention Campaign from our partner and sponsor, uh, the Truth Initiative. It's the first of its kind program that helps young people feel motivated, inspired, and supported while quitting. More than 150,000 young people have enrolled since the program launched in January 2019. The messages include evidence-based tips and strategies to quit combined with real feedback from young people. Again, teens and young adults can enroll by texting Ditch Vape to 88709. Truth Initiative also offers free text messages for parents who are helping their children quit vaping. I myself enrolled in this program as well and would get different ideas and tips to help support my son. You can join the program by texting QUIT to 202-899-7550 
or by visiting becomeanx.org to sign up. To learn more about Truth Initiative and its programs, visit truthinitiative.org.